Well, good morning, good morning. How's everybody? Good. I tell you, we're singing about not having fear. My biggest fear, to be honest with you, can I just let you guys know, is that they would accidentally turn my microphone on early, and you guys would hear me singing over here, because you'd probably get up and leave if that happened. But uh, My name is Kurt Lawson, and I serve as the do-good director here at the bridge, and um, uh, Kenny is actually out this morning. Um, I was scheduled to preach anyways, but he was going to be here and um, he actually threw his back out and then he woke up this morning throwing up. So you guys can pray for him because he's old and he uh, is sick. And so you can tell him I said that. Uh, but I'm excited to be here this morning and speak to you guys. And I, I want to uh, start us off with a word of prayer real quick and then we'll get into it. God, I thank you for this morning. God, just the opportunity to open your word. God, thank you for the chance to just share this story from your word this morning. God, I pray that it encourages us. God, that it speaks to us, God, and that it challenges us to live differently. God, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so I love Thanksgiving. And when I think about Thanksgiving, I think about, for me, I mean, this is what my, you know, in my family, this is what Thanksgiving looks like. You, you get together and you eat so much food that you can't move, right? And then you kind of like roll yourself over to the couch. You turn on the NFL football. You watch NFL football for a while. You fall asleep. You wake up. You eat some more food, right? Right? You watch some more football. And then, then, then out comes the dessert. And so for me, my favorite is, is pumpkin pie and pecan pie. And yeah, amen, yes. And thank you. If that's the only amen I get today, we're in trouble, all right? <laughs> but I love pecan pie, and I'm weird. Like, I don't even eat the pecans. Anybody with me? Like, I peel off the pecans. Sometimes I, like, I, I want the gooey stuff that's in the middle. That's what I like. Sometimes I even put the pecans in my mouth and, like, get the gooey stuff off and then spit them out. That's gross. More than you need to know, probably. But I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> What I really love about Thanksgiving, though, are, are the memories that I have of sitting around the Thanksgiving table. You know, a lot of times I was at the kids' table, even as an adult. I don't know what's up with that. They stuck me at the kids' table. But I, the memories that I have of sitting around this Thanksgiving table with family, great-grandparents, grandparents who, who are no longer here, and uh, aunts and uncles and, and relatives that that I'm so thankful for in my life. And, and that's what I really love about Thanksgiving is the idea of the table. And so today there's a story in, in, in the Bible and it centers around this table. It centers around this, this meal that these people are having in honor of Jesus. And so today I just want to walk through this story and I, and I pray, like I said earlier, that it encourages you and that it, it challenges you. So we're in John chapter 12. We'll start in verse 1. It says this, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. And so what I want to do, I want to look at who's at the table. And so in the parallel story in, in, in the book of Matthew, it tells us that this story takes place at a man called Simon the leper's house. Now, 
I, I don't know why they still call him Simon the leper. He had obviously been healed of his leprosy because nobody would be at his house if he was a leper. He, would, he wouldn't live there. He would live outside of the town with all the other lepers just waiting to die. Because if you had leprosy, you were unclean. You were untouchable. You were unworthy of anybody being around you. But this man had been healed by Jesus. And now he's hosting this dinner at his house in honor of Jesus. So this man had so many reasons to be thankful for Jesus. And then, then we know that the disciples would have been there. The disciples would have been there. And this was towards the end of Jesus's life. So for three years, for almost three years, these guys had been walking with Jesus. Think about the things that they had seen. Think about all the miracles that they had seen Jesus do. All the people that, that they had seen Jesus heal, the blind people that he had given sight to, the lame that he had, he had uh, caused to walk, the dead that he had brought to life, the walking on the water, the calming of the seas, all of it that they had been there and seen happen. And then think about the stories that they had heard, the teachings that Jesus had taught them. They had come to know Jesus and to love him and to be thankful for the opportunity to follow him. And then at the table, you also had Lazarus. And this one's cool because Lazarus was dead. Like two months earlier, Lazarus was dead. We learn in John chapter 11, Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus and he died and he had been in the tomb. He had been dead for four days. The Bible says that his body had started to decompose and it was already stinking. And then comes Jesus, what everybody thought was late on the scene. And he says three words and Lazarus comes out of the grave. He says, Lazarus, come out. And now comes Lazarus walking alive, still wrapped in his burial clothes. Could you imagine how he felt towards Jesus? Could you imagine the way he looked at Jesus and how thankful he was in his heart towards this man, Jesus, who had brought him back from the dead? And then we have Martha. Martha is one of Lazarus's sisters. And Martha wasn't at the table, but it says she was serving. And that's, in, in, in other stories in the Bible, we know that Martha has a servant's heart and she loves to serve. And imagine how grateful she was for what Jesus had done two months ago to brought her brother back from the dead. And so she was probably gladly serving, gladly preparing this meal with a thankful heart, thankful for this man, Jesus, that they were honoring. And I love it. Because then we see Mary. Then we see Mary. And Mary was the other sister of Lazarus. And we see in verse 3 how Mary responds to Jesus. It says, then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. And she poured it on Jesus' feet. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, I love this. You got to picture this. In comes Mary, and just like all the rest of the people at the table, she had to be thankful for, for Jesus. And we know from other stories in the Bible that Mary was often at Jesus' feet, just learning from him, listening to him. So she knew this Jesus. She knew what he was about. He had raised her brother from the dead. She had to be so thankful. And she comes in and she expresses her thankfulness with this extravagant act of worship. It says she takes this perfume, this expensive perfume. And, and I, as I was reading through this this week, I, I saw everywhere from like 
in today's value of like $28,000 to $50,000. I don't know where it was. I don't know how expensive it was, but it, it describes it later that it was a year's, uh, they could have sold it for a year's wages. So it was worth a lot of money, right? I don't own anything that expensive. And she takes it in, she, she brings it in, and this had to be the most valuable thing that she had. And she breaks it open. And it says she pours it on Jesus' feet with no regard to the cost of it, no regard to the value of it. She's taking the most valuable thing that she has and she's pouring it on the feet of Jesus. What a beautiful picture that is. What a beautiful picture of worship that is. And she doesn't just stop there. Then she lets her hair down. And for a Jewish woman in this culture, they didn't let their hair down. Their hair was a, 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 a closely related to their self-worth, their dignity, their respect. And she just, in the face of all that, lets her hair down. And I imagine just gets on her knees and she begins to wipe the feet of this man, Jesus, who she's so grateful for. What a beautiful picture of worship. She lays her, her riches and she lays her self-worth at the feet of Jesus. And I started thinking about that. And, and I, to me, I wrote it down like this, like, how, how, what, what does this speak to me? And it says this, that thankfulness leads us to worship. And as I think about Thanksgiving, we recall the things that we're thankful for. And this idea that thankfulness should lead us to worship. And above all, we should all be thankful for Jesus. Above all, we should all be thankful for Jesus because I, I think about like, you know, th this, this worship. And I think about the way Mary worshiped Jesus. I'm like, man, I, I don't know that I worship Jesus like that. And I think sometimes what might get in the way is just we forget how wonderful this Jesus is. We forget who he is and we forget what he's done for us. I want to read this passage out of Ephesians to you. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1, it says, once you were dead. Let that sink in. Once you were dead. Not you were a bad version of yourself, but it says once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. The Bible is clear that all have sinned, all of us, and we fall short of God's perfect standard. And it says the result of that is that we're dead in our sins. And if we continue in verse three, it says, um, all of us used to live in that way, following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. You see, we were dead in our sins and, and what we deserved was God's anger, God's wrath. That's what we deserved. That's what all of us deserve. And then verse four, it says, but God, I love that, but God, he's so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Christian in the room, Christ follower in the room, we have so much more than Mary even had to be thankful for. Let us respond with the same kind of extravagant worship that we saw Mary respond with. The, the kind of worship that's an all in, an all out, I don't care what anybody around me thinks about it kind of worship. And I love that because Mary didn't care what anybody in the room thought about it. She just came in and gave the most expensive thing she had. She just dumped it on his feet. 
She wiped, wiped his feet with her hair just to worship. I, I think if we reflect on what Jesus has done for us, that it will produce this thankfulness in our heart that will lead us to a life of extravagant worship. And I saw something in, in verse 3 uh, as I was studying this week. I, I, I've read it before, but it just kept sticking out to me. It just kept like, man, coming out to me. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> then Mary, let me read it to you. It's in the, it's in the, bottom, uh, the end of verse 3. It says, then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And here it is. Here's the part that just kept sticking out to me. It says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I started thinking about that. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. What does your life smell like? Right? When you worship like this, it affects those around you. When you worship like this, it affects those around you because worship is contagious. And so when, when, when Mary worshiped like this, we're standing in a room two, over 2,000 years later talking about how Mary worshiped Jesus. And Jesus said that would happen, by the way, in the Matthew uh, version of the story. He said that this story will be remembered for all of any time anybody shares the gospel, this story will be remembered. And we're standing here talking about the way that Mary worshiped Jesus. When you worship Jesus like this, it impacts those around you. It's a fragrance. In 2 Corinthians, it says this, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15, it says, now he uses us, this is God. Now God uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. I like that, like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. So I ask again, what does your life smell like? Are other people seeing the way you worship God and are they affected by it? Do they smell it? Is it a sweet aroma to them? This made me think about, like, you know when you were in school, you had those bad kids that, like, let off those stink bombs? Y'all remember them? The stink bombs? They smell like rotten eggs? Y'all remember those? No? All right, I'm alone. Well, when I was in school, I didn't do it, right? It's probably my brother. But um, those stink bombs, man. You, I, when I was in school, people would let them off. And then when I was a teacher, they would do it. And it was the same stink bombs. It was that same familiar smell, just rotten eggs, as bad as it can be. And when somebody let one of those off, everybody knew about it because you could smell it. And the fragrance filled the air. And I thought about that. I don't know why I'm weird, but that's what I thought about when I read this. Like, what does your life smell like? Man. That was just kind of a side note to the whole sermon, but John chapter 12, back to the story, John chapter 12, verse four and five, we see that when you live like this, not everybody's going to understand. When you live a life of, of extravagant worship out of the thankfulness in your heart towards Jesus, not everybody's going to understand that. Not everybody's going to respond in a positive manner to that. And we see that right here. It says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, he objected. And he said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. 
He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. And we see, we see Judas's response. And Judas just didn't get it, right? And I, and I don't understand how Judas didn't get it. He was with Jesus for almost three years walking around with this guy. And there was just something in his heart, though, that got in the way of him seeing Jesus for who he was and truly worshiping him. There was something in his heart, this love for material things, this love for money that kept getting in the way. And I started thinking about that. What gets in the way in my life? And, I, and that's one of the takeaways from today. I want you to wrestle with it. I want you to ask yourself this question. What gets in the way of you worshiping Jesus like this? And I, and I started thinking of some things. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's like Judas, the love of money or stuff or the things that this world has to offer. Maybe, maybe it's sin that you wrestle with in your life that you can't get, a, uh, get victory over and it just gets in the way of you worshiping Jesus like the way you're supposed to or the way you want to. Whatever it is, it's something that's sitting on the throne of your heart in the place where only Jesus deserves to be, where only Jesus is worthy to be and it just keeps getting in the way of you worshiping Jesus the way that Mary worshiped Jesus. And, and, and I think we give Judas a bad rap. Like we, we, we give him a bad rap. We say like, man, how could he do that? But, but we all do that. We all have things in our lives that keep us from worshiping Jesus the way that we want to. And maybe for you, I know that maybe there's a group of people in here that you would just say, man, because of my circumstances, because of the stuff that I'm going through in life, it's really hard to be thankful. And it's really hard to worship Jesus. And I, and I get that. I get it. I understand that sometimes life circumstances, maybe, maybe your, your parents got a divorce or maybe um, a, a relative died or somebody got sick or, or you lost your job or whatever it is, the circumstances in life just have it to where it's hard for you to be thankful and it's hard for you to worship Jesus. And I want to encourage you with this. I, I, I want to encourage you with this thought. Like, what if you, in the midst of your circumstances, you just choose to worship Jesus anyways? And here's what I believe will happen. I, I, just like I, I believe the thankfulness leads us to worship, I believe the opposite is true. I believe that if we choose to worship Jesus anyway, that it will lead us to a thankful heart. That worship leads us to thankfulness. So when it's hard, when, when, when life has you down, when there doesn't seem to be a way out, we choose to worship Jesus anyways. There's a story in the Old Testament. It's probably one of my favorite. It is my favorite story in the Old Testament. I love this story. You, if you grew up in church, you probably learned about it as a kid. It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? These, these three guys, they were taken from their land. They were taken as captives in, in, in Babylon, and they were uh, indoctrinated in the culture, but they, they never worshiped the gods of Babylon. They stayed true to the one true God, and they continued to worship him. Well, the king of the day, Nebuchadnezzar, he builds this statue. He builds this huge statue of himself and he makes a law. He says, hey, whenever the music plays, everyone has to bow down and worship this statue of me. Well, the music played and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing. 
And, and I love to picture it, like I love to picture just hundreds of thousands of people. I don't know if this is how it was. Millions of people, right? Bowing down, worshiping this statue. And you had these three guys that said, we're not, we're not bowing down. So the king calls him in and he says, hey guys, listen, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. I'm going to throw you in the big oven, right? I'm going to throw you in the fire if you don't bow down and worship me. And I want to read their response. I love this. These are two of the two of the most beautiful scriptures, I think, in the, in the whole Bible. Listen to how they responded to King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, it says, they say to the king, if we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I love they threw that, your majesty in there. They're saying that the God that we serve is the true God and he's a powerful God and he has all the ability in the world to change my circumstances. That's what they're telling the king. And they say, we believe that he will rescue us from your fire, from from whatever you're gonna throw at us. We believe that he will rescue us. And then verse 18 says this, but even if he doesn't, we wanna make something clear to you your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. They say, listen, King, we serve a God that has the power to change my circumstances. I want you to know that in the room today, that if you struggle to be thankful, if you struggle to worship God, I I want you to know that you're serving a God that has the power to change your circumstances. But even if he doesn't, he's still worthy of worshiping. I want you to know that this morning. He's still worthy of worshiping. Would our lives be a, a extravagant worship to Jesus? I, I was in uh, India this last week uh, with a group of people from the church and we went there to work with this organization that, that, we, um, that we partner with as a church and um, it was just a really cool experience and this week I've been trying to catch up on my sleep. My wife's mad. I'm taking naps every day. Uh, it's awesome. You should try it. Uh, but but we... we we, uh, and, and then I've just been trying to process, like, man, so many things happen, like just been trying to, you know, replay what happened and replay the week. And I think really what stood out to me was this. I think uh, the, the thing that stood out to me the most was, was that I was with Brandon, the guy that's up here, the cool guy leading worship, you know. Um, I got to hang out with him. That's cool. But we were on a team and, and we just kept talking about how it was amazing that we were on the other side of the world sharing Jesus with these people in India. And, and the part that stuck out was this, that most of these people in the villages that we were in had never heard the good news about Jesus. And that was amazing to me. Like we're sitting here in front of all these people. They would sit us in front and we'd be speaking to a bunch of people kind of like this, but they, they were mainly just there because the Americans, they had never seen white people. So they come and they like fascinated with us. And it was cool because it gave us a platform to share Jesus with them. And they had never heard the good news about Jesus. 
And, and my prayer is that the good news about Jesus would fall fresh on you today like you'd never heard it before. That you would that regain this thankfulness, that it would lead you to a life of extravagant worship. There was this lady there. She wasn't a believer, but she got in contact with us through a friend. She heard the, the Christians were around, and so her, she was desperate, and her husband was in the hospital, and she asked us to come and pray for her husband. And so the plan was to go and share the gospel with him, and um, we get there, and he's already in a coma. And so I, I get a chance to pray for him, and it was an eerie, his body was cold, and I prayed that God would heal him, and I come out and his wife was, was there and she's crying and she's confused and she's distraught. And we asked her to come to the, the car with us and, and, and we're in the car and Brandon and I and our translator and one of the local pastors and we get an opportunity to share with this lady. And I started to share. She was confused because the Sikhs had come and prayed for her husband. The Hindus had come and prayed for her husband. And now the Christians were here praying for her husband and he still wasn't better. And she was confused and she was desperate. And she thought, man, if all these religious people are coming to pray for my husband, he should be better by now. But he wasn't. And I got a chance to pray, to, to, to share the gospel with this lady. I told her there's a God that created you, a God that loves you, a God that made you, and he knows everything about you. And he wants a relationship with you. But because of your sin, you're separated from him. But he sent Jesus to bridge the gap, to, to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, to raise three days later so that we could trust in him and that we could have life. And the look on this lady's face, it was, she had never heard this before. It was amazing. And I told her this, I said, listen, I don't know what everybody tells you, but if you trust in Jesus, there's no promise that he's gonna make your husband, that he's gonna heal your husband. There's no promise that he's going to. He, he has the power to do it, but there's no promise that he's going to. But I want you to know that he's worthy of following because he loves you anyways. I told her there's one true God. The gods of the Sikhs, they're not real. The gods of the Hindus, they're not real. There's one true God and his name is Jesus. And he proved it by dying on the cross and raising three days later. And it was beautiful. I said, do you want to follow Jesus? And she simply responded, Hanji, 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 which means yes, yes, yes. And our translator led her in a prayer to surrender her life to Jesus. And she told us that she immediately, immediately felt this peace come over her life. It was an amazing experience. And I tell you that story because what if we could be like this lady? And what if it could fall fresh on us today? The good news about Jesus I believe it would lead us to being thankful and it would lead us to worshiping the way that Mary did. This extravagant worship. That's the way I want to worship Jesus. That I would wake up and be thankful. So as you, as you sit around the Thanksgiving table this week with the, with the friends, with the family that you love and you talk about the things that you're thankful for, most of all, would you be thankful for Jesus and would you let it lead you to a life of extravagant worship? Let me pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you that you're, you're worthy of all the worship we could ever give you. God, you know what gets in the way of our worship. God, you know what gets in the way of us living 
uh, a life of extravagant worship, God. And I pray that you would reveal that to each person sitting in here today. It's probably different for everybody in here, but, but there are things that get in the way. God, show us what it is. God, I pray um, for, for anyone in here that doesn't know you, the, the truth of who Jesus is, that he came to rescue us, that we were dead and he came to make us alive. Just like Lazarus, we were in the tomb, we were dead, and Jesus comes on the scene and says, I want to make you live. I want to give you life. Pray that anybody in here that doesn't know him would surrender their lives today to Jesus, trusting him the best way they know how. God, thanks for loving us. I, I thank you for this week, for all the many things we have to be thankful for. And most of all, I thank you that you love us. I thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray, amen.